Welcome to Gen Z Money, episode six. And I always tell, even my my personal clients, I always tell them it's a it's a it's a great idea to always shop insurance rates every one to two years, because it, and everyone knows rates are always changing, rates are increasing, rates are decreasing. You know, a person will switch because they find a better rate, but then that company, that insurance company is going to do the same thing. The rates are going to increase and decrease. So insurance is kind of a, not a game, but it's just a good idea to always shop rates every one to two years. Even if my jokes are funny. What's going on, guys? Welcome to the Gen Z Money Podcast, where we turn financial peace to your reality. I'm your host, James Bowman, and today, co-hosting with me is none other than my best friend, Jonathan Bentoncourt. Jonathan, what is up, man? How you doing, James? Um, you know that feeling of going to Sunday service right after committing the sin, like guilty feeling? <laughs> uh, I guess we all got that little bit sometimes. Yeah, I feel I feel like I just did that financially before coming on to this podcast. Um, went to make a purchase I was intending on, but made some unexpected purchases in the process. Um, so, you know, we have that little guilty feeling, but uh, we're doing better. We're doing good nonetheless. Uh oh, impulse buying, impulse buying. Uh, but you know what, man? We all do it. It's it's better that you, you know, you can point it out and be like, all right, that might have been a bad choice. I probably won't do that again than to just let it go by, man. But it's no issue. But back on the subject, guys, today we have an interview with Miss Jamie Langford. She is an insurance agent that works for Country Financial. And she is my personal insurance agent. Anytime I have any insurance questions or if I need to get a quote on a property I'm buying or uh, if I buy a new car, she's always the first person I call. Um, And I mean, today, man, she came out with some real, real heat talking about the ins and outs of insurance. Uh, This episode is mainly geared for beginners, people who aren't sure about insurance, the different types. So if you are more of an experienced person when it comes to insurance, you might not get much value out of this episode, but we love to put out content that can not only educate, but also inform the general public. Hey, just get ready for this this episode because it is going to be a ton of information that I think everybody will learn from. Absolutely. Let's bring in Miss Jamie Langford. Before we get into the interview... Let's hear a quick word from today's show sponsors. Hey, Jamie, welcome to the Gen Z Money Podcast. How are you doing today? I am good. How are you? Uh, We are doing excellent. For those of you guys who do not know, this is Jamie Langford. And I I asked her to come on the podcast today to really get in depth with insurances. Um, Insurance is something that Again, none of us are taught in school. It's a whole lot of gibberish. And it honestly, it can be really hard to navigate if you don't have a professional in your corner helping you out. 
With that being said, uh, something we're not going to discuss in this podcast episode, which it's going to be health insurance. We're not going to cover health insurance because health insurance is a different beast of its own. It really is. It's got so many nuances, so many differentials. So in the future, we're going to make a podcast episode directly for healthcare insurance. But with that being said, Jamie, can you go ahead and just kind of describe like what is insurance? So insurance, it is basically, it's a legal contract between an insurance company and a policy owner. And what that legal contract pretty much states is that in case if there was a loss that occurred, the insurance company has the financial obligation to cover that loss. So that's why you pay insurance premiums. Um, and it's basically just to, just to protect you in case there was kind of a financial loss. Gotcha. That's pretty straightforward. Um, yeah. So let's go ahead and go over the specific areas of an insurance policy. Um, and we'll start off with, can you just describe really what is an insurance premium? Yes. So an insurance premium, there's two types of, of, of policies. Um, there's a homeowner's policy and there's also an auto policy. The homeowner's premium, um, it depends if you're usually buying a new house and let's say you do not have a mortgage and you pay cash for the house, you have the opportunity to um, pick your premiums on how you like to pay. So you can either pay monthly, quarterly, semi-annually, or you can pay annually. And if you're buying a home and you have a mortgage, then usually the mortgage company will pay the homeowner's insurance policy for you in full. And gotcha. auto policy, um, you have the same thing. It, it's, you, you, usually people pay monthly or they do pay it in full. Okay. And so when you said quarterly, um, semi-annually or annually, you mean once every three months or four payments once every three months, uh, two payments once every six months, or one payment every year. Is that correct? Right. And you yes. can, and most time you can pay, pick. Right. You can pick. And usually if you decide to pay a homeowner's insurance premium or an auto premium and you decide to pay it in full, then you get what is called a paid in full discount for both of them. So it could be cheaper in the long run if you decide to pay them in full. Okay. And what, uh, what kind of discount does that look like? Uh, like, is that a percentage or? Yeah, it's usually about 10%. Wow. So that, that's actually that's a good. great financial tip. Uh, <laughs> if you have the money and you pay your premium in full for whatever time frame it is, you save 10%. That's really nice. Yeah, it is really good. I always tell my clients, if you can, always pay it in full because then it's a pretty good discount. Gotcha, gotcha. That's also really good too, because if you do pay it in full, then that is a monthly thing that you don't have to worry about. If you take into account like whatever your budget is, uh, you know, for each month, then that can help you a lot in the long run. Right. It um, does. So and some people, they don't want to worry about monthly payments. So it's kind of nice. Just pay it one time and be done. <laughs> oh yeah. So um, with that being said, um, let's go into another thing that I, I probably a lot of people don't uh, really understand and know too much about. Um, what is a deductible? I um, mean, how does that work with your insurance? 
So a deductible is if you did have a loss that occurred, if you had to file a claim and you had a loss that occurred, a deductible is what you would have to come out of pocket for an insurance company to pay for that loss. Okay. And you would only pay for that deductible every time you have uh, like a claim or an incident? Yes. Yep. So you only come out of your deductible if you have a claim, a covered claim, and every insurance company is different. But if if you have a covered claim and you'd like to file it, and let's say you have a $1,000 deductible, um, and you'd like to file the claim, you would have to come out of pocket the $1,000 deductible before the claim would be paid out by the insurance company. Okay, that doesn't seem too bad. Uh-uh. Okay. No, and then the same for auto insurance too. Gotcha. So if I get into a car accident, just for an example for the listeners, and let's say under my insurance, I have a $1,000 deductible and the cost to repair my car is $3,000. That means the first $1,000 I will have to pay for out of pocket and then the remainder will be covered by the insurance. Is that correct? You got it. Yep. So the whatever your deductible is, the policy owner would have to come out their deductible and just like you said, let's say $3,000 to fix the car. So we would pay $3,000, but you would have to come up with your deductible first gotcha. for, it be, for it to be a covered claim. Yeah, that makes sense. And I, I guess if that makes sense from the insurance standpoint, is it uh it kind of disincentivizes um, like the smaller claims from being submitted because if it costs $500 to repair your car and your deductible is $1,000, well, it doesn't make sense to even let your insurance company know at that point because it, you'd have to pay the $500 regardless. Right. And I always tell people if it's that, you know, you don't want insurance, you kind of don't, it's there to protect you. Yes. But if you have a small claim or, you know, small it's $500 to fix something or do that, I always just kind of tell people to come out of pocket. Your insurance policy is there in, in case there is a horrible loss, a very expensive loss. That's when insurance needs to kick in. Not if you just want to you know, want to cover for something that's $250, you know, kind of always tell people just wait for insurance until there's something, you know, drastic that happens. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh So another thing with that, that I just had a question about um, is that in, in those scenarios, so let's say, you know, for example, if it's, you know, a a $500 fix for your car and let's say, you know, you got an accident and it was your fault, um, you know, would it be better to come out of pocket you know, because if you contact your insurance and you, you know, go through the claims and it is your fault, then that would raise your, um, your insurance. Would Mm -hmm. it not? It would. Yes. So every time you have an accident and it's your fault and you file a claim, um, it will, everybody hates this, but yes, it will raise your insurance premium. So, because not only is your insurance company paying for the loss that happened to your vehicle, but the other parties as well, if you get into an auto accident. So anytime you you file a claim and it's your fault, the chances of your your policies increasing are, are very good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so it's just some, something to keep in mind for, for people. You know, if you do end up getting into a small accident and, you know, if, if you can, you know, quickly figure out if it is something that, you know, is not too expensive to come out of pocket, then definitely try and consider that as one of your options. 
And I wouldn't even say that that's at, you know, it's not even a bad thing. It's essentially a high risk, high reward standpoint. If you have a driver who gets into a car accident once every year, of course, you would want to charge them more per month than a driver who's been driving for 20 years and has never had an accident. So when you have such a high risk uh, person that you're insuring, you know, I think it's, it's more than fair to charge them more uh, uh-huh. because you're take you're the one taking on the risk in that instance. Right. Definitely. So let's go ahead and move on. So I'm going to lump these together because I honestly don't know the difference. So hopefully Jamie, you can shed some light on this. Um, okay. Coverage limits and liability limits. Is there a difference between those? And can you kind of explain what they are? Um, so coverage in a policy is kind of the things that are covered under homeowners policy. So every insurance policy for different carriers kind of may, may be a little bit different, but the, the coverage limits and liability limits is liability is kind of just how it sounds. So for an example, liability basically in the same for an auto policy, but liability basically protects you from somebody coming after you and suing you. So liability on a homeowner's policy um, standard is usually 300000 And if you decide you can go higher to 500000 or $1 million, um, and let's say those are kind of the, the people, you know, that may have a lot of get togethers or they have a lot of pool. There's a lot of things at that house that may cause somebody getting hurt. You would want to increase your liability limit. So if someone gets hurt, they don't try to come after you and sue you, basically. So liability limits on an auto policy is kind of the same thing. Um and in Georgia, the state minimum for liability is 25,000, 50,000, 25,000. Um, and basically, you know, I do not write those, those low limits, um, the, the limits that low. Um, I always try to write a little bit higher because, again, if someone gets, they do cause an accident and someone tries to come after them, you want to make sure you're prepared so they can't, they can't pretty much, you know, come after you financially. And then the same for a homeowner's policy. There's different coverages, you know, dwelling coverages, how much an insurance company is insuring your house for. That would fall under a dwelling coverage. Um, and then you have your personal property in you in your home. And then you also have additional living expenses. You know, that's also covered in home. So there's different different aspects of a home policy that's covered. Gotcha. And so you quickly scooted by something. I just want to uh, go back a little bit. You said the 25,000, 50,000, 25,000 um, are the minimums for Georgia. Can you just mm-hmm. describe uh, real quick, what do, you, what do those numbers mean? What does each number represent? So 25,000 is bodily injury. So, and this is just for an auto policy is bodily injury. So let's say a person gets into a car accident and it's their fault. And the other party has multiple injuries and they decide to, they have to go to the hospital and they decide to get an attorney. The 25,000, 50,000 is bodily injury. So it would help pay for the hospital bills for the 75,000. And then the last 25,000 is what's called property damage. 
So again, if they decide they're, they're hurt, they decide to go to the hospital and then they decide to get an attorney and come after you financially, they will go through the 75,000. And if, if their medical bills or their vehicle cost more to, to fix or their medical bills, you know, are, are high, then that attorney can come after a person financially and they can come after that person's assets to get the remainder of what they're trying to sue for. And it's that policy owner's responsibility that they would have to pay it and come out of pocket to pay the difference. Gotcha. So let's just throw that into a quick example. Let's just say um, I get into a car accident and I have the 25-50-25 plan like you just described. And let's uh -huh. just say the medical bills for the other um, person, let's just say it's 26,000. Will the insurance company cover the 25 initially or will they decline the claim altogether because it's over the limit? Nope, they will, they will honor it. They will pay for it. Yeah, so they will, the insurance company would pay for it. But then let's say a person is, is has, you know, bad injury and is in the hospital and you know because hospital bills these days it's, it's pretty much i don't exactly know but i'm pretty sure it can go over twenty five thousand if you're there more for a couple days absolutely so whatever if there's a if it goes over twenty five thousand, then they can come after you and they can it'll be your responsibility to pay for that difference okay yeah that that 100 makes sense i just because okay. um <laughs> someone asked me uh, they were they were actually getting sued because someone someone was they were selling their house and someone uh, visiting to view the property ended up getting injured while on the property. And oh no! Yeah, it, and it was and it, it oh. yeah, and and they they threatened to sue. And someone oh. asked me like, "Will my homeowner's insurance cover it?" And I I honestly didn't know what to tell them because I. For some reason, I thought, let's just say you have $300,000 worth of liability coverage uh -huh. on your home and they sue you for half a million dollars. Well, the insurance isn't even going to deal with that. But it's it's good to hear that in that case, if that was the worst case scenario, they would still honor the 300000 and you would just have to yeah. come up with a difference, which is still a big bill of the foot, but <laughs> it's not 500000 so... No, so let's say they're three hundred thousand for that homeowner's policy. The insurance company would pay the three hundred thousand, but the additional two hundred thousand, if they if that person gets an attorney, that attorney to get the additional two hundred thousand will go after that homeowner. It here's what they can do: they can go after a person's savings or checking account. They can go after the equity in your home, which is insane. And they can also go after your Roth. If you have a traditional Roth or an IRA, they can go after that. The only thing that an that a attorney or the person suing is not going to be able to get is a person's 401k. But everything else they can come after to get that 200000 That is insane. It and is. And I think, and I know a lot of people nowadays, when they go through the talk of insurances, you know, a lot of people just say, oh, you know, we don't care for them or they're scams or whatnot. But uh -huh. you, you can have the, these situations can come up at any time. And it's always best to have 
those insurances or those backup plans, so to speak, because in, in this scenario, I mean, it is, it is insane. You know, just some, somebody coming to view the property and, you know, they, they got hurt and now they want to sue. I mean, you would never expect that to happen, especially from somebody that's looking to buy the property. Now they just, you know, have a situation where they can take advantage. And if you don't uh-huh. have those insurances, then you can be, you know, in a way worse situation than if you didn't. Right. That's why I always tell people, you know, um, cheap insurance is not always the best. You know, I'd much rather pay a little bit more, you know, for an extra, you know, for a half a million in liability to protect my house. So nobody will come after me and take, you know, come after everything that I own. So if insurance policy, I always tell people, you know, it, it, we may not be country financial may not be we're pretty competitive but sometimes our rates are a little bit higher than someone else but if there was a loss to occur we would be we would be right there and we would cover it and we would make sure our clients are insured properly yeah and the thing about insurance it's it's such a um it it no one ever thinks about it until Uh -uh. they need to use it and right it rightfully so like you don't think about that's the point of having insurance is to give you the peace of mind that if you crash you have insurance and that's why mm-hmm. people don't think about it as much as they should and as their net worth grows their insurance coverage should also grow which i'm going to be honest i'm guilty of a little bit with mm-hmm. not adjusting my insurances as often as i should but with that being said um it's, it's really great to have and not need than to need it and not have it. Exactly. Yes. Okay. So now that we have that out the way, um, let's get something that I feel a lot of people don't really know or something that they might need to understand. Um, what is the difference between an insurance agent and an insurance broker? And is that something that they need to know? Uh, yes. Definitely. So I am considered an insurance agent and I work for country financial insurance An insurance agent is obligated to only do business for that insurance company. So I can only write country financial products. I have an obligation to support country financial and support country financial only. An insurance broker is basically just how it sounds. It's a broker and most insurance brokers, well, actually all of them, they have the means to actually shop insurance rates for you. So they have multiple carriers underneath them that they can shop rates for, for a policy owner to find them the best rate. And they can they can usually write policies through you know, Geico, State Farm, Allstate, um, so basically a, a broker just is, is a, they have a brokerage firm and they have about 15 companies underneath them that they could do business for. Okay. So for the average person or anybody that is looking for insurance when shopping around, would it be better to go through a broker? Um, yes. I mean, well, it's not necessarily better. So the the broker, they just have the, they have multiple companies that they could quote for. Um, and yes, I mean, they could, you know, they have more, it may be, they may be able to get a better rate doing that as opposed to just going to one insurance company for one, one quote. 
So a broker can actually quote multiple, multiple carriers. So, I mean, it could benefit somebody in the long run to actually go to a broker first to see what that broker could do, but they may not find a, a competitive rate as opposed to just going to Jamie Langford at Country Financial. <laughs> um, nice plug. Our rate may be a little bit more competitive than the carriers that broker has to shop rates for. I just want to say real quick, I love shameless plugs. Like everybody Absolutely. should do it. <laughs> Anytime they get it, it is absolute must. I love it. So I do have a question for you regarding that. So, okay, I, I want to I clarify this question by saying this is not my personal um <laughs> It's not has anything to do with my personal life. Okay. It didn't happen. I, I'm clear, clearing the air because as I said before, Jamie is my personal insurance agent. I always contact her anytime I have insurance questions. But with that being said, again, I'm going to clarify this didn't happen, but let's say um, a, a one of your clients, let's say their house uh, burns down. Right. And they contact their insurance agent to see, no, no, okay, let's not use the house burn down because it's pretty drastic. Let's say um, someone gets into a car accident and they're, they're an agent's client. And let's say their car is worth $2,000. And they contact their agent and say, hey, I just got into a car accident. Um, should I put this through insurance? Uh, is the agent required to report that to the company that they work for, or are they able to give insurance advice regardless? Is that make um, sense? So again, every insurance company is different. The way Country Financial does it is Country Financial. Um, and, and let me just say this also, we are, Country Financial is number two in JD Power Magazine for claim satisfaction. So Country Financial, we have our own claims department that is absolutely amazing. So if somebody calls me, one of my clients called me, I will give them my insurance advice on if they need to file the claim. Um, and then I will automatically direct them, give them their claims number and our claims department will be in touch with them and actually speak with them about what happened. And when you call our claims department to report that accident, our insurance um, adjuster would actually also give them on give them advice about the claim and if it's covered and if they should put it through to insurance. Um, so anytime I have a client that calls me, I'll advise them on some things they should do. But then I would we would also call our claims department and the claims department would take it from there. I guess I lead that question to kind of because I I don't want people to fear. I want people to surround themselves with people who are wiser than them and are uh -huh. more. So like, I don't want people to fear being able to reach out to others and ask for advice, especially people who are more educated in a certain area. But what right. I don't want to happen is let's just say they call their insurance agent and they don't put the accent through to their insurance and they decide to just pay for the car out of pocket and be done with it. Well, uh -huh. just because they had the conversation with the agent um, that they're now their premium, let's just say their premium doubles because now the insurance knows that they had the accident, even though they didn't put it through. So is that something that you see often in the insurance field or? Yeah. Um, usually when an insurance policy increases, it's due to a claim that they, that they filed. 
So if they end up not filing the claim, just asking, you know, if it's covered, what will this do to my rate, then that is not considered a valid claim. So they actually have to proceed with filing the claim. And then once the insurance company pays out the money, then that is on your, your record. And it's usually a claim usually stays on, well, it depends on what type of claim, claim it is, but it usually stays on that policy for three to five years. Gotcha. Okay. That makes sense. So, so, so they can still reach out without the fear of even having oh, the conversation gosh, yeah. affecting their insurance insurability, essentially. Right. Oh yes, definitely. Okay. They can well, that's good, that's good knowledge to know. That's good, really good knowledge to know. So right. let's go ahead and move on. And we're just going to discuss a few different types of insurance, uh, especially the main insurances that we feel most people should have. So the okay. first one um, is car insurance. Uh, you've already touched on car insurance a little bit about protecting you in a crash and paying mm -hmm. medical bills and stuff like that. So I'm not going to make you go into depth on that. But when is having car insurance mandatory? It's immediately. <laughs> in Georgia, you have to have auto insurance. If you do not have, and this is, again, just in Georgia, I'm not sure what the in other states, but in Georgia, it is mandatory to carry auto insurance. If you do not have auto insurance and they find, you know, you get pulled over and they find out you did not, you do not have insurance, um, you will get fined. And it, I'm not exactly 100% sure of that amount, but um, I know you will get fined if you do not have insurance. And also, if you go to the tag office to renew your tag or to get your tag, they're going to ask for proof of auto insurance. So it's, it's mandatory in the state of Georgia. Okay. And then do you mind just going quickly over the two main types of auto insurance? So you have liability insurance, and then you have what is called full coverage insurance. Um, liability insurance basically means that if you get into a car accident and it's your fault, an insurance company would not pay to fix your car, but they would pay for to pay for the other party's car. So they would fix that, but they would not fix your own if it was your fault and you had just liability only. Full coverage, meaning full coverage consists of two parts, which is comprehensive and collision. And then you have the choice to add roadside or vehicle rental. Um, and that's just that that's full coverage. So if you get into an accident and it's your fault and you want the insurance company to fix your car, you would have to come out of what's called your collision deductible um, to pay for the damages to your car. And then that insurance company would also pay for the damages to the other vehicle. Okay. And then the way that I understand it as, is if you own your car outright, there's no liens on your car. You're required by law in most states to have liability insurance. Is that correct? Right. So if you have a vehicle that's paid off um, and you, you, know, you don't own a bank, any more money, it's, it's paid off. It's your vehicle. You have the choice to change it to liability insurance, which is cheaper or you can keep it at full coverage insurance. Um, so you have have the choice. Now, if you do have a lien holder, you do have to have full coverage on your vehicle. 
Yeah, 100%. And I will just say me personally, uh, for the listeners, I do own my wife and I, we both own our cars outright, we don't have any liens on them. But I still own um, full coverage on both vehicles. So just because it is paid off, always think it uh, personal finance is personal. And if we lost my car tomorrow, I think we'd be okay. But my wife's car is a bit more expensive than mine. So it, it kind of hit, hit the wallet a little bit. But um, we still keep full coverage just because I just, it, it helps me sleep at night. And so anything that helps you sleep at night, even if it costs a little bit more money, um, it's sometimes it's, it's definitely worth considering. Definitely. Yeah, I think that goes back to um, how we talked about earlier, just about, you know, having ease of mind with insurance in general, is that, you know, when you're picking your plans or when you're shopping around or, or you know, trying to figure out the benefits of you know, each type of insurance, you know, the, the whole point is to have peace of mind. So, you know, if you want to keep that full coverage or if you want to raise, you know, the limits, you know, you know, for the 25 and the 25, maybe if, you know, you increase a little bit more whatever you need to have though that peace of mind for you you know that's what you should do because at the end of the day anything can happen and especially especially in 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 automotive you know with cars i mean just this year at at the very least um you know there have been you know over twenty one thousand deaths just in 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 car accidents just in the first half of 2021 so wow. you, you can only imagine how many more were just accidents, you know, not even fatal. So, I mean, cars, you know, people driving cars, they don't realize that, you know, you can get in an accident, you know, and it's very, very likely. So uh-huh. do do the things that you believe will have more peace of mind for you. You can sleep better at night, just knowing that if anything happens, because it can, that you will okay. be okay. And I think whenever you, you know, when a, when a person picks their insurance, do a little bit of research. Don't just go for the, look at the deductible, you know, don't just go for, oh God, that's the, the cheapest insurance policy I can get. Let me, let me jump on that. Cause just like you said, it's, I mean, every day, you, you know, you go outside or, you know, somebody walks in your, your home and falls, you know, you know, you just want to be, you definitely want to be prepared and you want to make sure the insurance company you actually chose to protect your your belongings the thing that things that matter the most to you you just want to make sure they have a good a good record so it's definitely good to do a little research whenever you pick an insurance company absolutely and i just want to circle back for a minute jamie and make something we something we didn't talk about is um the relations between your monthly insurance premium payment and your deductible um So for those who do not know, most of the time, and I'm speaking from almost 100% ignorance, but except what I've experienced, is the higher your deductible, the lower your insurance premium is a month. So if you have a $1,000 deductible, your insurance premium is going to be higher if if you compare it to having a $2,000 deductible. So- Right. Yeah, I just wanted to, I wanted to point that out. We, we yeah, we we missed over that, but it's definitely something to consider. And uh, all that to say, don't just because it's that way, and you want to save money on your monthly payment, it doesn't necessarily mean that you need to go with the highest deductible possible because you're the perfect driver, or no one's going to injure themselves on your property, or there's never going to be a fire, or any reason to use insurance. 
you know, if it's mandatory and you have to have that monthly payment, the deductible still needs to be reasonable. Um, I talk about in the first episode how I, when I purchased my first car, I had the thousand dollar deductible, but I didn't even have a thousand dollars in my bank account. So if I would have driven off the lot in the car and got into an accident right then there, I would have been out of luck. Yes, I had a lower premium because of the higher deductible, but I still put myself in a pinch. And so if you're listening and that is you and you have that $5,000 deductible on your car, just to have the lowest monthly premium possible, just, you know, reconsider that because it's not always worth it, especially when you do need to use your insurance. And if you do have a high deductible, a $5,000 deductible, make sure you have $5,000 hidden (laughs) somewhere in an emergency fund or if it's there, because, you know, if something does happen, like me personally, I have a low deductible and I pay more for insurance. But then I know when I, if I get into an accident and I need to take out $250, I can. If I have a $5,000 deductible, I wouldn't be able to do that. I, I don't have, you know. I don't, it's not right there. Easy access for me to just go, to just go get. <laughs> yeah. It one thing. He says mine lower deductible. <laughs> yeah. One thing I want to say about that as well um, is that you can also use that. Um, if, if that helps you mentally, you can also use that to kind of, you know, feel that fire. Cause you know, the whole thing is, you know, you want to be financially independent. You want to save money. You want to be able to build wealth and stuff. So, you know, if you do end up getting that higher deductible, but you know, like how in James situation, he didn't have the money, you know, he, he chose that higher deductible for that lower, you know, monthly payment, but then his mindset was now, okay, I need to have now a thousand dollars in my account at any time, just in case that accident does happen. So Mm -hmm. if you don't have the money and you know, you want to go with that lower monthly payment and you want, and you get the higher deductible, then just go with the mindset of, okay, you know, I don't have that money right now, but now let that be a new, a new goal or a new priority. You know, let me start saving and doing, you know, cutting back on my budget and all the, and all these other things. So that way I can have that $5,000 in my account and then I can have more peace of mind. So now I don't have to worry about insurance or an accident at all. Now I have that money and now I can focus on other things. All right. So now that we have car insurance out of the way, let's move towards um, homeowner's insurance. Um, so for example, let's say, um, how we talked about in car insurance, you know, if you have a lien on your car that you have to carry, you know, a full coverage, but if you have it fully paid off, then you can switch liability. Um, is that the same way when it comes to homeowners insurance or are there different type of uh, insurance policies? Um, uh, no, homeowners insurance is a little bit different. Um, if you do have a if you if you buy a home um you're going to get what's called a mortgage and that mortgage company that you chose to do the loan from is going to require you to carry homeowners insurance um and they whatever you purchase that house for is what that mortgage company is going to want it to be insured for so when you have a mortgage you always are required to carry homeowners insurance um, and if you do not have a mortgage and you, let's say you decide to go pay cash for a house, um, you're not required to have insurance, but that would be absolutely ridiculous. So you would like to also carry an insurance policy, but you would not be required 
technically. Um, okay, Jamie, I'm going to have to stop you right there. Listen, guys, if you go <laughs> buy a house for cash, I don't care if you buy a house for cash, you trade horses, you dig a hole and somebody gives you a house, you need homeowner's insurance. Yeah. The home is the biggest <laughs> financial move 99% of people will make, okay, is buying a home. Therefore, it needs to be insured. I don't know anyone personally within arm's reach of me that can afford losing a $200,000, $300,000 home and being perfectly fine with it. Okay. You <laughs> need insurance. I'm telling you, I'm, I'm, I'm not even, I'm not even giving you guys an option. Okay. Always, always, always have homeowners insurance. Even people like Dave Ramsey, who's worth a hundred hundreds of millions of dollars still carries homeowners insurance, still carries uh, full coverage on his vehicles, even though he he's allergic to debt. He doesn't, he pays cash for everything and he still has insurance. Okay. If a hundred, if someone who has hundreds of millions of dollars still carries homeowners insurance and, and full coverage, then you guys should too. Not so much about the full coverage, but definitely, definitely, definitely homeowners insurance. I'm sorry, Jamie, you were being no, too political. Nice because you were, <laughs> no. <laughs> Nah. I agree 100%. Always, always have homeowners insurance. Yeah. Um, but yes, if you have a mortgage company, that mortgage company is definitely going to require you to carry homeowners insurance. Yeah. So it, it's it's mandatory when you have, it's optional when it's paid for, but it's mandatory when you have a mortgage. Uh, do you mind going into the different types of homeowners policy between um, if you live in the property and if you don't? Yes. So if you have a primary home, if it is your homeowner's insurance, your primary home, you live in your home 80% of the time, up 80% of the time, you have to have what is called a homeowner's slash hazard insurance policy. If let's say I decide to go buy a rental property, you have to have what's called a dwelling fire insurance policy on that investment property that you buy. So your homeowner's insurance is called a hazard insurance policy. Your rental home that you have or that you decide to buy one day, that is called a dwelling fire policy. Um, and then you also have manufact manu manufactured home policies. Um, and then you also have renter's insurance. So th there's a lot of different, different types. Okay. And uh, so for the difference between the hazard policy and the, I'm sorry, the other one. So the renter policy, I, I know it as a landlord policy. It's like the nickname right. for it. Um, can you just describe the, just the difference between the two and the price difference in them? Yeah. So a homeowner's insurance policy covers everything. It covers the structure of your house. It covers the inside, the contents, everything inside. And insurance cover, and homeowner's insurance policy covers the entire thing. A, and again, like you said, some people, so a, it's called three different things. <laughs> it's a home protector. Some people call it a dwelling fire. And then some people call it a landlord's policy. And all three of those things mean the same thing. Um, it is what you buy when you buy a second home or an investment property. And the only thing that a landlord's policy does is it covers the structure of the house. And it covers the appliances and the flooring, um, things like that. Let's say um, 
you decide to rent that house out, then the person in there will get what's called a renter's policy to protect their personal belongings. As a homeowner's policy, it has that already established in the homeowner's policy. Gotcha. And you know, that, that, that kind of sums it up really nicely how, um, when we're talking about it's your primary residence, you don't want to just insure the property. You want to insure everything inside the property, whether it's your clothes, your TVs, your computers, uh, your jewelry, Mm -hmm. everything that's inside of your dwelling, you want to cover. But then uh, when you talk about the landlord policy, uh, essentially you don't own anything in your rental. It's owned by someone else. So you're not required to hold insurance for someone else's belongings. Is that, is that about right? Yes, that's exactly right. So if they, if, if so, if you have a renter in that house, it is the renter's responsibility to get renter's insurance to cover their belongings that they bring in. Gotcha. And so, yeah, that, that's a perfect segue into the next question to talk about renter's insurance. Um, what's your opinion on renter's insurance? Do you think, um, it's an absolute necessity or is it a luxury or? I am a hundred percent about insuring everything. <laughs> um, renter's insurance is if, if a person goes and rents a home, um, they're usually not required to carry it. It's their preference if they want to have renter's insurance or not. Now, if they go rent an apartment, that, uh, that association is going to require that person to get renter's insurance. And that's usually in an apartment apartment setting. Um, and yes, I 100% think you should get renter's insurance. And renter's insurance is super cheap. It's like 150 to 220 a year. Yeah. So, and it protects you from theft. It protects you from, um, you know, a leak, that there's a water leak or if there's anything like that. Or if, you know, you lose something, your renter's insurance would kick in and pay for that. Yeah. And I just want to tell a little story. So, well, one thing is um, I do have property managers and they require all of our renters to uh, get renters insurance. Um, now, whether they do it or not, I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not that far into it, but I know it is written in a lease that um, it is a requirement just because, you know, we, we want our renters to have their things protected. And I'll tell you a little story. So um, I was insured by USAA with my car insurance and I ended up getting renter's insurance and bundling with bundling it with my auto insurance and having both insurances bundled was cheaper than just insuring my car. And I was baffled because let's just say, for example, my insurance per month for one car was $300. And I got renter's insurance that now not only my car covered, but also the entire um, contents of my house, my monthly payment for both insurances went down to like 250. So it was kind of a no brainer thing to, okay, if I can get renter's insurance, I can cover the contents of my house and lower my auto policy insurance. It's a no brainer. So I'd Mm -hmm. always say, reach out to your insurance agent or your insurance broker and talk about bundling it. Like, Jamie just said it's super duper cheap and with the bundling options they have nowadays most um, companies do have bundling options you can end up saving a whole lot of money uh-huh 100 percent. and whenever you know if someone always if, if I have people that call in 
They're like, hey, Jamie, I need an auto quote. You know, I always ask them if they own a home or if they rent. And then I always try to see if I can help them with their homeowners or their renters policy. Um, not just, I mean, the, the multi-policy, which is the bundling discount, it's such a good discount. But, you know, I may be able to, to help them not only lower the premium, but give them better coverage. So hopefully, definitely bringing both over home auto renters definitely helps with, with the multi-policy discount and will lower your, your rate a pretty good bit. That's pretty good. And like, like James said earlier, you know, it's, it's really just about having the options. You know, a lot of people, you know, they hear that, oh, you know, now I have to add another type of insurance. They think that it's going to go up. But if you just do the research and just explore the options that you have, then you can probably find out that, hey, it may not be as much or it might even be a discount. Maybe I, ha maybe I can pay less. So um, anytime, you know, those things come up, you know, just always try and turn it into a positive. Just always make sure you do the research and look around first because you never know. It may not be more expensive. It can be the same price or it could even be cheaper. Yeah. And then, Jamie, I just want to ask you a quick question. Uh, how many thousands of dollars do I have to pay you in order for you to give me an insurance quote? nothing it's absolutely free exactly yeah that's the point i was trying to get at is oh. that, guys this is a free phone call to either call an insurance broker in your area or a specific insurance agent like they're literally there to save you the most money possible uh -huh. and educate you so the phone call is free you know right. to shop your insurance every six months to a year you know it can only benefit you because if it goes right. up, you can just not take it. Like you're not obligated to call and because they gave you a quote, you have to take it. You know, it's a hundred percent free. That's what I was trying to get at. Right. And I always tell, even my, my personal clients, I always tell them it's a, it's a, it's a great idea to always shop insurance rates every one to two years because it, and everyone knows rates are always changing. Rates are increasing. Rates are decreasing. You know, a person will switch because they find a better rate, but then that company, that insurance company is going to do the same thing. The rates are going to increase and decrease. So insurance is kind of a, not a game, but it's just a good idea to always shop rates every one to two years. It's good. And it's Most free. Definitely. So why wouldn't you? <laughs> Most definitely. Okay. So now that we have auto insurance, we have homeowners insurance, and we have renters insurance out of the way. Um, let's talk about one that I feel that a lot of people don't really take into consideration. Um, and that would be life insurance. Um, tell us a little bit about life insurance and, and how that all goes. Um, so life insurance, there's, the, the, there's two types of life insurance. Um, you have what's called a term life insurance policy, and you have what's called a whole life policy. Term policy, you're basically, the, the simple explanation for a term policy is you're basically renting a policy. And it's cheaper than a whole life policy would be. So usually for a term policy, you can get a term policy, you can pick how many years you'd like. So you have 10, 15, 20, and 30 years. So a term policy basically means that you are going to get an insurance policy. Let's say I decide to get a term policy, a 10-year term policy. I want that. It's cheaper, but I, I want to make sure that my family would be protected in the next 10 years if something was to happen to me. Um, that policy would go for 10 years, and then it would stop. 
And then in 10 years, you have to convert it to another term policy. Um, and the rate in 10 years, life insurance rates are based off two things. So how healthy you are and your age. So in 10 years, of course, you're going to be 10 years older. You will not have to go through any medical requirements like you do when you first have to take out a life insurance policy sometimes. Um, but the rate in 10 years is going to be higher because you're going to be 10 years older. And life insurance is based off of age. Life insurance rates is basically based off age. So a term policy, you can, you're basically renting a policy for a certain amount of time. And then you'd have to convert it to another term. Whole life policy is more expensive because a whole life goes forever and ever and ever. It never stops. I think it stops at the age of like 121. <laughs> um, it goes wow. forever, but a whole life policy builds cash value that you could use anytime you like. And it's tax-free money. Uncle Sam doesn't get any of that money if you decide to take it out. So it is more expensive, but the difference between a whole life and a term is a term you're basically renting a policy for a certain amount of time. Whole life, it never stops, and it builds cash value that you could use anytime you like. Yeah, and I'll, I'll go ahead and I'll, um, I will give my personal, uh, how I chose between whether term insurance was better for me or if whole life was better. And I'm going to be, I'm going to sum it up to this, which if you're listening to this podcast, then there's a high probability that term insurance is going to be better. And, and I'm going to explain why. And it's just my opinion. Everybody has their own opinion and, you know, you can't kill them for it. But the thing is, you, if you're listening to this podcast, you're more than likely going to be building wealth over the next 20 to 30 years of your life. With that being said, the point of insurance is to... Uh, replace income if you were to die. So for example, let's say my wife didn't work and let's say we needed $50,000 a year to live. I would need enough money invested, whether it's in real estate or the stock market or whatever investment vehicle I choose in order to produce $50,000 a year for my wife to live on. That would replace my current income. Mm-hmm. With that being said, if you plan on building wealth over the next 20 years and, and having substantial uh, means to support yourself, the need for insurance goes, life insurance goes down. Now you have to factor in things like um, inflation and lifestyle creep and things like that. So it doesn't go down linearly, but if you, let's say you have a term policy for 20 years and at that 20 year mark, you've accumulated, you know, $5 million worth of assets, you know, having a, let's just say it's a hundred, a million dollar policy or whatever it was, you no longer need it at that point, you're self-insured. So if your goal is to self-insure, which what, which is what building wealth is, um, then term life works fine for you. But most people don't have the intention to build wealth or to get to the point where they're self-insured. So that's where whole life really comes in to fill that gap. 
is because it's kind of like a forced a forced saving plan, but it's also forced investing in a life insurance policy. So that's just my two cents. And I did I did like a I, I remember I did a rough calculation when I um, when I was shopping for insurance to see which one I was doing. And let's just say, for example, for term, it was $20 a month. And for whole life, it was $200 a month. I, those aren't the actual numbers, but uh, I took the difference in that, which would be 180. And I just looked at, okay, what would that turn into over the next 20 years if I invested it? And it ended up being like $100,000 extra or something like that. And so that kind of helped me make the choice. It's like, okay, would it, will I have more than $100,000 in 20 years? And if the answer is no, then I need to go with whole life. But if the answer is yes, and I'm actually going to save that difference and not just go get a car payment for $180,000, then it made sense for me to go with the whole life. Uh-huh. And I think another thing with that, um, the, the, the whole thing about life insurance is that um, for me, and I, and I speak through experience, um, and you do, you do as well, is that... Um, depending on the job you have as well. Um, you know, there are certain jobs that people can have where, you know, their life can potentially be on the line. And, um, you know, life insurance is something that, you know, you would definitely want to consider um, just in case that happens. I mean, if, especially if you have, you know, family, kids, you know, you know, all those people that you care about, um, you know, you want to make sure they're okay. So definitely consider having life insurance in, you know, that during those times um i've even had you know friends and not even with you know jobs you know i've had just friends that they just work normal jobs that thankfully they had life insurance um it was about a, a year maybe two years ago that um a friend of mine had passed away in a motorcycle accident and wow. um i believe how his life insurance and i believe this is how it worked um i didn't look up or you know find out too much information but um he wasn't at fault so I believe in his policy, since he wasn't at fault, um, he got twice the amount that he would have if it was his fault. Um, uh-huh. And, you know, it's sad, you know, sorry, you know, sucks that he passed. But, you know, his family, you know, never has to worry because he had that life insurance. So his family's taken care of. And, uh-huh. you know, it's, it's already bad enough when someone's going through, you know, the passing of someone you know, emotionally and mentally, then now you have to think about financially afterwards, you know, it's, it's always, insurance is always about that peace of mind. So, you know, you might look at this and you might be a young, you know, 21 year old and just think, oh, you know, I don't need life insurance. I have my whole life ahead of me, you know, I'm a healthy individual, but you never know what life can throw at you. So just always, always try and have that peace of mind and just always make those decisions. So that way, if anything happens, you will be fine. 100%. And I, I talked about life insurance with every client that comes in. I always, always try to talk about life insurance and just make sure they have something in force to protect their family if something was to happen. And if some people come to me and say, Jamie, I can only afford $50 a month for life insurance premiums. Okay, that's fine. But let me build you a plan that's $50 a month that will be there, you know, if something was to happen, that your family would be protected. Yeah. And I mean, imagine losing a loved one on Sunday and you have to go to work on Monday because you have bills to pay, you know, you're living paycheck to paycheck. I think that's the most important time to 
have insurance is when you don't have anything because that's when it really means the most. You know, someone like me who I keep an emergency fund of six months, that means if I if I die tomorrow, my wife would be okay for a minimum of six months without selling any assets or anything. And that's nice. But even after six months of grief, it can it would still really hurt to have to go back into work and deal with that just to survive. So insurance right. is really important. I, I can't stress it enough how important life insurance is, guys. Oh, um, it, it's, it, yeah. I, and I could say this real quick. So I, I tried this family to get the husband and the wife in forever and ever without life insurance. And then they finally came in and I was able to build them a plan that they could afford. And this, this gentleman, he had a wife and three kids, three little kids all in sports, all, you know, anyway, I wanted to build him a plan because they say that, you know, the grieving process is a little bit different for everyone, but the life insurance policy should replace three to five years of someone's income until they're able to get back onto their feet and, and, you know, and work, or, you know, when you want to make sure when you, when you get a life insurance policy, it will replace the spouse's income for three to five years. And then you want to keep in, in effect any, any, if you have a mortgage or if the kids are in school or what their tuition is or sports, I mean, you just want to put all of that in your life insurance policy. Um, and I finally did this for this gentleman. It took him a minute to come in, but I finally got him to come in. I wrote him a half, of, I, I think I'm about to cry. Wrote him a half a million dollar life insurance policy. And um, was it a year later, a year and a half later, he got into a horrible car accident and passed away. He left his wife and three little kids. Um, and I'm so thankful he did that. I, I, got, I waited about a week, but I went to her house and gave her a check for half a million dollars. And mm. just to see wow. the look on her face. Holy cow. It was the, the best, worst moment of my life, but I felt so good because I knew she wouldn't have to worry and mm. she and her family could grieve. So it was, it was a pretty, pretty neat moment for me. <laughs> it's, a, it's a gift. I mean, it, it is a gift. Yeah. One thing I, I, I want to say about that, which, you know, a, a lot of people may not understand is that, you know, the people in, in, in the insurance industry and specifically agents, you know, like you you know, you want to help people. You, you said that, you know, you tried to get these people on a plan for so long. So like you care about the people that you're insuring because you want what's best for them. So, you know, it, there, it may not be a hundred percent of the people in the industry, but I would imagine that most of them are like you and, you know, don't look at a lot of people look at insurance as a bad thing or people that are just stealing your money or a scam, but it's like, you tried so hard for that person to get that policy he finally got it and then you know sad that you know that that outcome happened but you were finally able to do it for them and look how that that one decision paid off for them you know many times over you know besides you know the, the whole incident but it's just you know these people care you know when, when, when you look at you know insurance and stuff like especially when it comes to life insurance like these people care you know they want what's best for you they want to make sure that you know, you're actually going to live, you know, the, the, or if something happens, you know, they want to make sure that you, you know, your family are taken care of, you know, it, it, it it's, uh -huh. it, it, I don't even know what to say right now, but it's like, that's, 
it's so important. It is very important. Like you're doing everything that you're doing in your life is for that. It is for your life. You know, you're doing it for your life. You're doing it for others. You're doing it for the people that you care about, your family, your loved ones. So that is your life, you know, Uh and I feel like some people might, you know, not, they don't, they don't appreciate that or they just don't think about it too much. They just think about, you know, their work or, or whatever have you, but it is so important that you think about these things because like I said earlier, I mean, 21,000 auto deaths, auto accident deaths, just in the first half of 2021 alone, not even the second half. I mean, you can like something can happen at any given point in time. So always do what is best for you. And even if it's the things that you don't think about, if it's those little tiny thoughts, like, Hey, you know, this can happen. If that happens, are, are, are my family taken care of, you know, or will they be financially okay? Just it, that, that's all I can say. Just always, yeah. always try and think about those things. And I want to go ahead and I just want to point out, Jamie, I really, really, really appreciate you bringing up that story because unfortunately those aren't the stories that you hear. Those aren't the, the, the stories where someone has the proper insurance and their family's taken care of, that's not what makes the headlines. What makes the headlines is the stories about people who left their families with nothing and, and were, you know, unfortunately passed away too early. And now we have things like, uh, what is it, GoFundMe, where people have to create pages just to cover catastrophic um, accidents. And so I'm, I'm blessed that there are uh, pages like GoFundMe and crowdsourcing where, you know, we can take care of each other as a community. But I think the first step is always to try your best to take care of your own before you start relying on others to take care of you and your family. So and unfortunately, we don't hear the stories about the insurance company actually, you know, paying out what they said and. You know, because good news doesn't, it just doesn't make the headlines. It's the devastating news that does. So I'm really glad that you brought that up. You know, it's the positive stuff that actually happens. So you mentioned for life insurance to have between three to five years of living expenses. So Uh I, do you, so, so my, um, my current policy I have is to, it's 25 times my annual expenses so that way the if if it's invested then the interest from the investments is what we can or what my wife would be able to live off of and that way she would never touch the principal and it would just be off of the interest it gains so would you say like do you think that's overinsured uh, or do you think the three to five years of expenses is like the bare minimum you would suggest to people or what's your opinion on that? Usually the bare minimum, um, usually is one to one to two years. Um, and then, but they all, you know, you always say to keep at least three, three to five, at least three years. Um, you want to have something, something there. And back to the question of what you said, no, I I think for now home and auto insurance, there is probably a little bit more. Yes, you can over-insure, you know, we don't want to be over-insured, but for life insurance, um, I think you should definitely be, if I always, my my theory is if you can afford it, it's 25 times more um, and it's, you have more than you think you need, but you can still afford it. 
I, I always tell people to, to keep it because for life insurance, you'd rather have a little bit more than yeah. a little bit less. Better to need it. I mean, to have it and not need yeah. it than to need it and not have it. Yeah, that's If my... you can afford it, keep it. If it's hurting you and you may want you back it down a little bit and your family will still be okay. Mm-hmm. But if, if you're not hurting monthly wise for the premiums or however you pay for it, then I would say to keep it. Yeah, it's definitely, definitely affordable, at least in our, in our circumstances. But now we can move on to, that was just a, a question I had, but now we can move on to other insurances. There were at least two other insurances that I wanted to touch base on. We don't have to go too deep into them, but just to give people an idea of what they are. One is umbrella insurance. Can you just briefly describe what umbrella insurance is and how it works? Uh-huh. So umbrella insurance is an additional policy for liability. So it's extra backup for extra liability. So usually the people that get umbrella policies, um, if you own your own business, if you know your job, just like Jonathan said, if you you know if your if your job was um, you know, you did something, you're a truck driver, you're always on the road, or you just something is always liable to happen. Or if you have assets, you know, money, you know, rental properties or investment accounts, or if um, you own your own business, those types of people usually get an umbrella policy. Um, and that's, it just basically is extra backup. It's extra liability. So even though your home and your auto has liability in it, um, but you know, if you own your, your own business or have, you have a you know, little bit of money stored away and you feel like, well, maybe something, you know, if it happens to me, the liability is they're going to go through my homeowners or my auto policy. The liability will go through that. And then it'll roll over into your umbrella. So then your umbrella, if something was to happen, your umbrella policy would kick in and and pay for that liability wise. So if we use the same example of earlier, let's say um, someone sues my buddy for five, a half a million dollars and for tripping and falling in his house and his homeowner's insurance only covers up to 300,000. If that person has an umbrella insurance policy, that would begin to cover the extra gap of the 200,000. Is that correct? Yes, exactly. If you did not have an umbrella policy, then you personally would be responsible for that difference of 200,000. And that's when you said they can go for like your IRAs and home equity and things like that, right? They can go through pretty much everything besides the 401k. Gotcha. And then the last insurance I really want to go over was short-term and long-term disability insurance. Do you mind just describing what those are and who, who you think really needs them and why? So short-term, uh, there's, there's three types of uh, disability. Short-term disability, long-term disability, and social security disability. Uh, short-term disability basically means it's tied into your employer. And it usually pays up to 60% of your gross monthly income. And it lasts for three to 12 months. That's short-term disability. Long-term disability is the same exact thing. It also pays up to 60%. And it lasts 
for two years up until you retire, up until a person retires. So long-term disability, it pays up to 60%, and it usually lasts for two years until you retire. Social security disability is if somebody has a terrible disability and they don't necessarily, um, they, they can't get short or long-term disability. Social security disability, they, it's federally government funded and it pays into a hundred percent, but it is very hard to get. And it's only, you can get it if you're severely disabled and cannot work at all. Then so, you could try social security disability. So to put it quite simply, if someone yeah. makes uh, $3,000 a month and um, they get injured on the job and they have to collect short-term disability, then they'll receive a disability payout of $2,000 a month or 60% of yes. you know, their <laughs> normal monthly payout. Gotcha, gotcha. Right. Okay. Yeah. yeah, you got it. And then... And the same thing for long-term disability, except, of course, it's for longer terms. And um, isn't that something that's often included with your employer? Isn't that something that they norm sometimes they throw in? Or is that something? That yeah, well, some, some companies have it where it's automatically in. Um, and then they, they, they will give it to their employees. Um, and I believe you may have to pay a little extra for it. Um, but some employers, they do offer, they do offer, not all of them, but some big companies, um, they do, they definitely offer it to their employees. Gotcha. So that's something that they can, um, the listeners can look into their employment benefits package and yes. it should be in there. So that's yes. something good to know about. Um, and I, I'm pretty sure that's what, um, if, if a woman becomes pregnant, she's eligible for short-term disability. Isn't that correct? Yes. So if you're, if yeah, exactly. Yeah. You become pregnant, you're eligible for short, short-term disability. So by the, you know, the six months or the three to 12, usually it's three to 12 months for the short-term disability. But yes, if a woman is pregnant, then she, after she has the baby, she is eligible for that for three to 12 months. Yeah. I definitely recommend everybody um, wherever you work at um, definitely look at your benefits package and just see what's in there. Um, Cause I know a lot of people, definitely don't and they probably don't know they have these benefits um and these are something that you could really use to your advantage especially right now with you know how how the pandemic is and everything um going on in the world right now it's you know there are the there are these benefits that you can use that you have no idea you have that could really help you just in case something goes wrong um for example me i i had um i had covid earlier this year and um, for, for us, we have short-term disability that we're allowed to use. And um, I was able to, you know, get out, you know, recover from COVID. And um, a lot of people probably think, you know, if they were, you know, living paycheck to paycheck or, you know, if they don't really have, you know, too much extra cash on hand, you know, they think, oh, you know, if I'm sick, you know, obviously for COVID, you have to, you know, um, you have to be quarantined and whatnot, but if you just have any other type of illness or if you do get hurt, you know, people just try and work through that, you know, oh, you know, I have to go back to work. I have to, you know, I have to get this paycheck. But if you have those benefits available to you um, and you find out about it, you know, if you're aware of it, then use them because, you know, uh -huh. 
it's better, you know, your health is the most important thing out of, out of everything in the journey, you know, financially, emotionally, whatever it's, you know, your, your, your health is what's going to get you through life. Like, you know, there's no point of amassing, you know, a, a ton of wealth and you only live, you know, the next five years, you know, you want to be able to live a long life, but also live a good one. Um, so your health is very important. So find out, um, everybody that's listening, find out if you have these benefits, you know, through your job, um, because these are things that can help you. Um, and, um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A lot of people don't know exactly what's in their, in their benefit package. And you, you know, you kind of just want to make sure that's included. And then you want to know if, if, if you work for an employer that offers life insurance, you need to know how much they offer. You need to know if that's going to be enough, if something was to happen to you, um, you know, and it's some policies, I mean, if you know, they, you read in the, in the fine print, I mean, just like you said, you may be able to, you know, some t- take some time off with, when you need it, if something was to happen or, but a lot of people definitely don't read the benefits package, but it's, it's all in there and it tells you what you, what you have, but it, I would definitely ask your employer if any type of disability is, is covered. For sure. For sure. All righty. Now we're going to get into the final five questions of the podcast. These are the five questions that we ask everybody that comes onto the podcast. Um, so the first one will be, everyone has their own definition of what it means to have financial peace. What is your definition? I don't, I mean, I would just, I, I just want to live comfortable, you know, just comfortable. I don't want to have to stress um, over, over things, over bills or, you know, over debt or the mortgage, or I want to be able, I just want to live within my means. I want to live comfortably. I want to be able to you know, if I want to take my family away for a few days, I won't, I, I just don't want to be like, oh my gosh, I can't do that. I have to work or I have to do this. I just want to, I want to be able to do stuff like that. And I want to be able to kind of do if I, if there's something that I want, I want, I, you know, want to be able to, to get it. But I guess basically just, just living comfortably, living within my means, um, mm. kind of be my definition. Which is honestly, that's the, I think that's the most common thing people <laughs> want. It's not to be a billionaire or a trillionaire or own 10 businesses. It's just to, to take financial problems off the table because Lord knows we all have issues, but to just take financial issues off the table is good enough for most people, especially for me. So Uh I a hundred percent agree with that. Um, So let's go ahead to our next question. Um, If there are listeners out there that want to start building wealth and have no clue where to get started, what would you tell them? Start a savings plan of some sort. Talk to your financial advisor. Um, And just like you said earlier, everyone's different. Everyone has different goals. Everyone has different plans. Um, When you're young, you don't have to be married. You don't have to have kids. You don't have to have a mortgage. You don't have to, to have any of that to start saving, to have a savings plan. And you do it while you're young do it in your twenties, start one. Um, and it could be a basic one. You could always increase it down the road, but it just gets started that way. Let it build for the next, you know, six years, 80 years. 
Um, so even if it's if it's life insurance, if you're adamant about life insurance, or if it's a retirement plan, but just start it when you're young. And that way, when you get older, and, and, and no one in their 20s, I know when I was in my 20s, I, I didn't <laughs> necessarily say, oh, let me go open a Roth. You know, that wasn't kind of on my, on my mind. But in today's day and age, I would definitely, you know, start saving, put it, put it away, put it in an investment, buy, buy a rental house, start buying rental homes. Um, yeah, I... I actually, I did a little calculation on episode four of the Gen Z money podcast, and I just used a simple compound interest calculator. And I put in, if you just invest $1 a day from now until you retire, you would have over $100,000. And I can't remember the actual numbers, but it was like uh, maybe... 15,000 of that was actual money you put in and the other 90 or so was growth. And it's just, it's so funny because we aren't taught to think in exponential growth. And so when you actually play with a calculator like that, like you realize like, look, if I do $5 a day, $1 a day, or however much I can afford to do, what will it be at the time of retirement? So we do have an episode on that. You guys can go back and listen to that on episode four, but I definitely agree with that tip hundred percent. Mm-hmm. And that way, when you're, you know, when you're done working and you're older and it's time to retire, go enjoy retirement. You know, no one really wants to work forever. You know, you'll have money that you put away and whatever you decide to put it in and then you can enjoy retirement. So now on to the next question. Um, if there was one thing that you could give as advice to everyone um, to avoid doing while building wealth, uh, what would it be? Probably accumulating more debt, um, credit cards. I, I think credit cards are the devil. <laughs> um, you know, it, it's easy to accumulate a lot of a lot of debt. Um, it's easy to and you know not necessarily pay it pay off the credit card or you're just like, oh, I'm just going to leave it. You know, there's no point in paying it back. A lot of people, you know, think that. Um, not necessarily, you know, I think going to buy expensive cars or, you know, things you, you buy and you think you can afford and then you can't. I mean, you just get, some people get so far deep into overbuying things or accumulating debt or getting credit cards or you know, that they can't really take it back. So once you kind of, and people just get down and they're like, oh, what am I going to do? I can't, I ruined my credit. I can't get out of this little stump. And then they just panic and then they don't do anything about it. Yep. We call that analysis <laughs> paralysis, where you're just sitting there looking at it all and you have no idea where to start. And uh, Dave Ramsey, he has, I, I quote him a lot on this podcast because I, even though we don't agree on everything, he's got some real gold. And he says, you can wander into debt, but you cannot wander out of debt. Like you can be walking down the road and somebody is going to offer you a credit card for with a thousand dollar limit, you know, three times before you get home. But no, you're never going to be wandering down the road and someone's like, hey, you want me to pay off your credit card bill? Like, it just doesn't happen. It, it really doesn't happen. You have to be intentional. And a lot of times people spend without intention. 
and they have to pay it back with intention. So mm-hmm. that's a great tip. I 100% agree. Credit cards are the devil, especially wow. if, if you don't use them right. Like some people do use them right and get some awesome rewards, but most, the majority don't. So that's, that's especially true. It's especially true with like um, like auto loans, like when you take out you know loans for for cars and whatnot. That um, you know that's the first thing that somebody at a car dealership will, will ask you is like, well, what is the monthly payment that that you're looking for? And you know you think about that and you think about you know oh I can afford this much a month you know five six hundred dollars a month or whatever, but then you don't really take into account like what the actual price is going to be at the end. So I mean you're you you might be able to pay that you know five six hundred dollar a month you know car loan um every month but you know you didn't realize what you were looking for was a you know twenty five thousand dollar car ends up being a thirty five or forty thousand dollar car and it's like yeah you have that same monthly payment you know you still got that you know five six hundred dollar payment that you were looking for but now you know you're, you're only looking at the monthly payment you're not looking at how much you just spent on this car so then when you finally you know go on that or, or go on that you know um journey to you know pay off debt or when you actually go and look at oh how much do i have left to pay you know then you're like oh man like that's a lot of money and Uh you know people don't really realize that so um yeah that's definitely a good one okay so then let's go ahead and go to the hardest question of the gen z money podcast jamie are you ready oh no okay ready (laughs) If you could ask anyone dead or alive one question, who would it be and what would you ask them? Oh, gosh. <laughs> um, um, okay, I've thought about this for a little bit. Um, I don't, uh, I, it would probably be my dad, who is, you know, he's still alive. Um, my mother passed, but my dad is still alive. Um, I would probably just ask him, you know, when he was younger, I guess, why didn't they, you know, and I'm not just saying this because this is a finance, financial broadcast, but I mean, why didn't they invest? You know, why didn't they, and I kind of think about it, you know, when I was younger and got a little ticked off at it, like, you know, invest when they were younger or do something, you know, buy some rental properties, buy land. Uh, they just, they never did that. Um, and they never had anything for their children or their grandchildren or even their great grandchildren to, to pass down. So I think, you know, and I think, and I've thought about this question and what I'm going to say, and I kind of want to call my dad right now and ask him. I just wish he would have done something, you know, he and my mom would have done something when they were when they were growing up, when they were my age or maybe a little bit younger, why didn't they they do stuff like that? Yeah. And, you know, I try not to I, I try not to um, look at people and how they've chosen to live their life and cast judgment on them because, you know, I, I don't have the room to judge anybody. But I do also sometimes wonder that with my parents or even people that are around me. I'm like, hey, you know, why don't you invest ten dollars a month or why don't you just put away this little bit of money. And, you know, I, I come from a place of privilege to have grown up in an era where information like what we're talking about today is literally in your pocket. And it's not on a shelf in a library downtown. And that's how a lot of people got information probably in your parents' day. So Uh I kind of have to step back and take that in like, 
at least me, I am privileged to have information at my fingertips and I can just say, hey, Siri, you know, what is pi? And they'll get 3.14, blah, 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 blah. And, you know, that's not something that everybody had the luxury of having. So that's, I mean, that's the only thing I'll say on that, but that is definitely a good question um, to want to know. I mean, hey, you could call them and get them on a podcast. We'll talk about it. No, I'm just kidding. I'm about, I'm about to call him right now. Dad? <laughs> no. Yeah. Yeah. To, to go with that, though, um, like you said, I mean, yeah, back then definitely was a lot harder to access that information. Um, but I would definitely say, like, you know, for future generations, you know, going forward, um, is that, that that's definitely, you know, would be a very, very good question to people that don't do it. And like you said, you know, it's not our place to judge what you do with your life decisions. Um, right. because if that's what you want to do at the end of the day, then, you know, you go ahead and do that. But, um, yeah, I mean, a lot of people, you know, it's like, like you said, the information, we have cell phones, everybody has a cell phone, everybody has a computer or laptop, like you have access to these things, there's YouTube, um, you know, you can go out and find and do the research. So in today's world, it's more so, you know, I don't want to say there's no excuses um, as in regards to like um, finding the information, but like, you know, what, like, I mean, how's your like mental state? Like what's your mentality, you know, during those times? Um, because like James says, and, I, and I've done it too, to a lot of my friends that say, Hey, like, why, why don't you, you know, try and invest or, you know, like you, you, we talk about finances a little bit and somebody be like, Oh, you know, I have a couple grand saved up. It's okay. Well, instead of having it in the bank account, why don't you try and, you know, invest, you know, put in the index funds, put in the market, you know, try and do things, you know, grow that money. And um, I think it's more of a, a um, like, I'll worry about it later um, mindset to where it's like, Oh, you know, like I, I still, ha- you know, I, I still get a paycheck every week, you know, like I'm not going to like leave my job anytime soon, or I still have a little bit of money here, you know, like I, I'm not worried about it too much right now. I'll think about it later. And that always gets pushed down the line and, you know, later comes and, you know, you bring it up again. It's like, Oh, you know, I'll worry about it later. And then it gets to the point where you're at the end and you're like, Oh, I, I, I didn't, I never did it. This is later. This is, yeah. this is, we, we now arrived at later and I have nothing, but you know, and I just want to, I want to end, I want to end this topic by saying, if you guys are listening to this, we're not saying that it's ever too late to get started. The best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. The next best time to start is right now. And the worst time to start is tomorrow. So if you're listening to it and you think that it's too late for you to start building wealth, I'm here to let you know that is not the case by any means. If you have air in your lungs, then it's not too late to start saving, start living on a budget, start putting that little itty bit away, start paying off your debts and leaving a legacy to whoever you want to leave it to, whether it's children or relatives or whoever that is. Uh But to wrap it up, Jamie, tell me where people can find out more about you. Um, so I, my office is in Hinesville, Georgia. Um, and of course the company that I work for is country financial. You can also Google, um, you can Google country financial, Jamie Langford, and it will, um, pop up. 
Um, or you could, um, I can give you my phone number or my email, but even if you just Google if Country Financial in Hinesville, Georgia, Jamie Langford, I, I, I pop up there. Or on Facebook, um, the same Country Financial, Jamie Langford. So I, I'm not going to put your phone number out there, but <laughs> if you want to give people your email where they can email you and reach out to you if they have any questions or want to get in contact, I can throw that in the show notes below. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that, you can give me that. You can give that to me later. And any any other social media you want to put out there, we can definitely add it to the show notes so awesome. people can definitely reach out and contact you, Jamie. Okay. And I just, if it's okay, I just want to say this, this one thing and then I'll, I'll be quiet. <laughs> um, insurance, it's not everyone's favorite thing to talk about, but it's, you have to have it. Or if, if you're smart, you would, you would always have it regardless. Um, but it's just no insurance, home, auto, life, retirement. You just, you want those things. Um, if you have a family or you have a children and, and I, if I say anything, it's just know your insurance policies know where they are, know what they do, what deductibles do what. So in case you, something does happen, a catastrophic event happens, you want to make sure you have the financial means to take care of that. If you have it ready to go, um, and I can't even tell you stress this enough, but a lot of spouses, you know, a lot of mothers, they're home, they're taking care of the kids and the husband does everything. The husband sets up the insurance policies. The husband does the life. The husband does the, the health, the reti retirement. And I can't tell you how many wives have no idea where anything is or vice versa. I am so um, glad you brought that up because I was literally going to add, make sure that you talk to the people who are your beneficiaries, make sure they know they're your beneficiaries no. and they know I, where the money is at. Yeah. My husband and I have a sheet of paper in our, uh, somewhere hidden in my home. And it, if something happens to me, he knows where to go. If something happens to him, I know where to go. I know who to talk to. I know their phone numbers. I know their address. Just have something in your home written down, hide it. Both of you know where it is just in case the worst happens. You're ready. That is a great note to end on. Jamie, I just want to say I really appreciate you coming on and providing all this education. I really, really hope that we can get you back on in the future for future episodes to either discuss more or even go into your wealth building journey down the road and talk about that. But Man, I've, yeah. I've learned so much. Well, this good. was a great one. Yeah. Good. And I thank you guys for inviting me. This is, this is great. And hopefully I was able to shed some light and give everyone a better understanding on how insurance works. Uh, I'm 100% sure you did that flawlessly. But with that being said, Jamie, we are going to go ahead and get up out of here. Thank you so much for coming. Okay. All right. Thank you, guys. Man, oh man, what an episode this was. There was a ton of information being handed out. I mean, I learned a, a lot about insurances today. Um, how was this episode for you, James? Man, I tell you what, this was a really enlightening episode. The thing is, so I, I think I'm fairly educated in the insurance world. I'm not the best, but I'm also not the worst. I'm kind of average. And even some of the things Jamie was talking about today, man, she was really, really bringing some bangers and just all around awesome information about all the different types of insurances. 
Yeah, for sure. And I mean, just going back, you know, just, you know, recapping everything. I mean, it's all about options. It's all about knowledge. It's all about doing the research, figuring everything out. And I mean, you'll be surprised just the, the unbelievable opportunities and decisions you can come to through that. Absolutely. And the thing is, like we said in the interview, all of this information is free, whether you're getting the information from a pod, from this podcast, another podcast, if you're getting it from YouTube, you can even call these people up. It is their job for free to free give you this nine. information. So there's no reason why you shouldn't be shopping your insurances and you shouldn't be talking to these people because you always want to surround yourself with people smarter than you. And you don't have to be an expert in everything, but having an expert in your corner like Jamie can really help you make an educated decision. With that being said, guys, uh, we have actually just released a new group for Gen Z money. And Jonathan's been working a whole ton of hours on this. So shout out to him. But we now have an official discord where you guys can come in, you can chat with each other about finances, you can get financial tips from each other, you can even reach out to us and have conversations with us on this discord. And it's really, really going to be an awesome resource, man. For sure. Um, discord is something that you can download um, on your phone. It's in the app store, it's on the Google store. Um, it is very easy. You just make a profile, make an account, um, the link will be in the show notes below. You can just join the discord and it's as simple as that. I mean, we will have a ton of things. We will have, um, updates on, uh, notifications every time a, a new episode of the podcast will come out. We will have different chats for everything from, you know, investing, just lifestyle changes. Um, we could even have account accountability groups. Um, you know, if you guys want to have voice chats and just talk to each other, or if you just want to do text, um, there's going to be a lot of different channels for um, all the things that we can talk about financially and just in life in general. So definitely check it out. Absolutely, guys. And like Jonathan said, that's going to be linked in all of our episode show notes. So make sure you guys click that link and join the group and, and let's start building wealth together, guys. But Jonathan, you ready to get up out of here, man? Yes, sir. All right, guys, I'm your host, James Bowman, here with Jonathan Betancourt. And just remember, you're only as secure as your ability to perform. So spend your life accumulating assets that can perform for you. Later, guys. See you.